Hallelujah. Well, one of my one of my pastor friends sent me a deal. It said uh, heat advisory. Stay indoors. Don't let's see. Stay indoors between eleven a.m. and November first. <laughs> Hard to do. It's hard to do that. So we just trust God. Amen. Amen. Thank, thank him for, uh, I think his first name was John Carrier, the one who invented air conditioning. Yes. Yeah. Amen. He's a patron saint of Texas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Notice some guys trying to get into the hall over there looking through the window so they may come through this way anytime. That'd be all right. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this beautiful day. Thank you that we can sit in an air-conditioned environment here in the heat of Texas and look at the beautiful sunshiny day out these beautiful new windows that we had installed here in the church. And we just love you, Lord, for everything that you are, from the smallest detail all the way up to the miracles working power that you exude. And we thank you, Lord, for miracles and signs and wonders that you have displayed amongst us and in the hearts of so many, Lord. And we just pray for the comfort of those who are hurting at this time. We thank you for just being with them and letting yourself be known that you will never leave them or forsake them. Thank you, Lord, that you cry with us and that you love us and that you encourage us and bring us through everything and that you are good. And we just thank you for your healing power and and miracle working power. Thank you, Lord, that you can even open the doors of prison doors and and, uh, take away terrible things that the doctors say are... uh, are devastating, Lord. You say that's not the final word. I have it. And you're healed in Jesus' name. We thank you for your word today, Lord. Just use me to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Those that are here today and those who will hear this message in the future by any other means, Lord. We just thank you. We call them blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. John chapter 14, the 21st verse. And uh, this English Standard Version, anyway, it says, Whoever has my commandments, Jesus speaking, of course, and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I'll love him and manifest myself to him. This verse has been misinterpreted to say that keeping God's commandments will produce a love for God. Hmm? It's been misinterpreted to say that keeping God's commandments will produce a love for God in you. That's not what this verse is saying. Just the opposite. That's what I was warning you about last week. That's why we need to be discipled. Amen. Amen. That's why we need to have the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. What he's saying is loving God will produce the keeping of His commandments in your life. 
Yeah. And we know that we love Him because He first loved us. So one of the foundational things in the Christian life is having a revelation of God's love for you. Because He's the source of all true love. Now what the world calls love is only lust. And it just seeks to get its own needs met. But God's kind of agape love, the unconditional love of God, only comes from God. And so you can't give away what you don't have, folks. And you need to know that God loves you and He got your picture in His wallet and that Jesus died for you. And out of the abundance of that love, it will overflow through you to others. And it will... That right believing will cause the right doing that you're wanting to do. You can't beat it into someone. It has to be loved into them. God's love. Amen. Last week I was telling you stories about how when I was really born again, that I I just, and I started finding out about this enemy of our souls and our lives, this this devil. I told God I wanted to fight him. Remember? Remember me talking about that last week? I said, I want to fight him. I don't even know what that means, but I want to fight. I want to fight for you. I want I love you and I'm I'm mad at the devil. And you know that's what our anger is for. God has anger. You know God is an emotional God. I told you that before, but he's not governed by his emotions and neither are we to be and neither are we to use our anger against people it's supposed to be supposed to get mad at the devil i i don't want to get off and preach a different message but that's the truth and we need to understand our battle not against flesh and blood this week in our nation we're so thankful that a really godless law was overturned on a federal basis and we thank god that roe v wade is gone it should have been gone a long time ago when they passed that law, they said if they had the science to prove that that was not just a, a mass of tissue, then they could have never passed that law to start with. Well, that science has been in place now for a long time, so it should have been gone long ago. But thanks be to God that He has, in the beginning stages of this, this third great awakening that we have entered into, that God is having victories and uh, you just get his hold on folks hold on tight and like ann was saying earlier just make sure you're a part of it because this is exciting times and you were born for such a time as this and it's great to be a part of the kingdom of god amen amen so i said i want to fight for you lord but he made it clear to me that i needed to forget what i thought i knew and what they call in the greek there's a word called kenos which is just empty out and just get rid of all that stinking thinking and all that junk. And don't come, don't, the Lord t- would tell you, don't, don't come to me to teach me anything. Alright? <laughs> I'm the teacher. I know it all. I know what's good and right. And you don't. Amen. <laughs> Until you learn it from me. And so, anyway, I just, uh, there I was. I was ready and willing. But I didn't know what it looked like or what needed to be done. And so, I just want to give you an example of someone uh, was sort of like I was a little bit uh, in uh, Exodus chapter 2. Um, go over there with me, I think about the 11th verse. Uh, Exodus chapter 2. 
you see the story of Moses. And uh, when Moses, Moses had been brought up in Pharaoh's house in the palace, and uh, I don't want to get too deep into the story because everybody has a sort of an idea who Moses is. You've seen Charlton Heston. Might not have got the full veracity of everything, but you, you know who Moses is. And God used him. And when he was 40 years old, Moses knew that he was a Hebrew. And here he was in the prime of his life. He was a, he was a, a warrior. He was a, he was a Hebrew and part of the family of Pharaoh. He, he was ready to conquer the world in his mind. And that's exactly what he thought he was about to do. He said he knew the prophecies. He knew the prophecies about his people, the Hebrews, being freed from bondage. And he put two and two together. Now, I'm, I'm coloring a little between the lines here, but I'm right. And he realized, hey, that's me. I'm going to be that one that comes and God uses to set these people free. And he went out at 40 years of age and he kills an Egyptian soldier because he saw him beating his one of his people, right? The Hebrew slaves. And the next day he went out and and there were two of them and they, they didn't take it like he thought they would. They didn't have any respect or regard for him. Matter of fact, they... They sort of insulted him, and they they knew that he had hidden this body, and they they called him out on it, and it scared him a little bit. Nevertheless, he took off. He left Egypt. He says, "I don't want to. I'm trying not to get into the story, but he he fled to Midian. Remember that, and he married Zipporah, and he had kids, and he he tended her father's sheep on the backside of the desert for another forty years." Hmm? When in Exodus chapter 3, he sees the burning bush, right? And it wasn't being consumed, so he went over to check it out. And in Exodus chapter 4, I guess I will look at something here with you for a minute. In Exodus chapter 4, um, we'll start at the first verse. And, and Moses was... Uh, talking to the Lord and he had shared with him that he was going to send him back to Egypt to use him to bring the Hebrew people up out of bondage. All right? And they were discussing this and then Moses answered God in in the fourth chapter of Exodus. He said, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice for they will say... See, he's not so cocky now. (laughs) For they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a stick, (laughs) a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. Natural reaction, I would say. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. Now, anybody who's ever done any 
snake catching, <laughs> or you know anything about deadly snakes, you don't ever grab a snake by the tail. Why? <laughs> Turn around and bite you, won't it? Sure will, every time. And Moses ran, and and, uh, and it was... It was normal. Then God told him, grab that thing by the tail. Now, if you ever reflected much on Moses, I believe that Moses never stopped believing God. He never stopped seeking God. He always wanted God to use him. He never really lost hope. When he was 40... He had done things his way, his will, his timing. He actually knew God's calling, but he didn't have God's plan or his timing. And he ran out ahead of God in his own strength, and he screwed things up. As a matter of fact, some of you... I'm looking at my friend Manny, very studious and knows the word. If you search it out, I think you'll find that they were supposed to be in bondage for 400 years. Moses tried to do his thing in Egypt 390 years into it. So he jumped the gun by 10 years. And cost them an extra 30 years in bondage. Because so, they spent 430 years before he ever went back and got them. So now, here's Moses. Before the Lord. In all humility. And God tells him to do something that no one in their right mind would do. And he ran. But then, I believe... He said, all this time, I've been seeking and desiring God. I feel the call on my life. If He ever gives me another chance, I'm going to do it His way if it kills me. And He went back and He grabbed that snake by the tail. And it didn't bite Him. It became a, a staff again. Except, so he put, his, put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. So, interesting thing is he threw it down. When God asked him what it was to begin with in the second verse of the fourth chapter, he said a staff, a stick. And that's all it was, nothing more than a, a shepherd's stick, because that's what he was, a shepherd. But if you go down all the way to the 20, 20th verse... When he sent him out to Egypt, it says Moses took the staff of God in his hand. You see? It had become more than just a stick. Now it was the rod of God to wield the power of God. Amen. So, I could go on and on about Moses and he, he did wonderful things for God. And then 
he ended up back into his self-will again, made a big mistake. And But I, I don't want to really go there today. It's a whole other message and I need to spend more time than I have for that today. But God loved Moses and, uh, and he did use him mightily. But, you know, I back to what happened with me. I, I wanted to, to fight. I wanted to know God's way. And I realized I was learning every day. And I was hearing the Lord and he was showing himself to me in great ways. And, and I, I realized that uh, I need to learn to do it his way. And I uh, couldn't do it in my own strength. I didn't want, I was done with me. <laughs> I was just done with me. And I just, I wanted it his way. I wanted everything his way. Of course, I wanted it all and I wanted everything good from him. I wanted it right now. <laughs> but I'd sown a lot of seed, huh? But in Romans 12, um, verses 1 and 2, which are very important scriptures. Um, if you'll just go over there real quick, we'll look at it. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. <clears throat> Paul says, I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, or in the King James, I beseech ye, <laughs> I'm, I'm pleading with you. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, Based on everything that God has done for you, for us, basically. Huh? To present yourselves, your bodies, as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or service. So that's, that's a, that's a, that's a simple, straightforward statement, request from God to us, and based on very good reasons, right? <laughs> In other words, he's entitled to that, I would say. And there's a lot of people that agree. If you're a Christian, you should agree, and you say, okay, Lord, what's that look like for me? Become a living... The problem with living sacrifices is they like to keep crawling down off the altar. <laughs> and that's okay because we've all done it. And when you realize that you've crawled down off the altar, just crawl back up there. It'll be alright. Just remain a living sacrifice. Let God make the course corrections. It's like when they shot that first capsule to the moon. They, they just shot it off in that general direction, basically. And then they did what they call a burn every ten minutes all the way to the moon. So they zigzagged all the way there. <laughs> Same way with us. We need to just make ourselves a living sacrifice. And say, God, make me usable. And let Him make the course corrections all the way till our final destination with our heavenly bridegroom. Amen? Amen? You know the problem with a living sacrifice, though? I'm just... Let's just get past that. Just say, call it, you know, just someone who's totally submitted to God. Just somebody who's ready to serve God and just... Like I was. Like, like you all, I'm sure. Can make you very gullible. 
I've proven that to you through a couple of different scriptures and teachings in the last couple of weeks, I think. <clears throat> can make you very gullible. There are a lot of Christians out there who are deceived, who are in places where God helped those ministers. Because judgment begins in the household of God. And it starts right here in the pulpit. And if you're not called to this, I don't know why anyone would ever even think about doing it. It'll destroy you. It'll destroy you or you will destroy other people. And either way, it's bad. So, but I still know I've seen some really atrocious things. I'm sure you've heard of many as well from ministers and and there's just people that are deceived. There's people that are deceived because of their own hard heads. You know, they just refuse to let the Bible get in the way of what they want to believe. That's why our nation ever got to a place where you had a, a law like Roe v. Wade. If all the Christians agreed with God, you would never have a problem like that. You would never have a lot of the problems that we have in this country because we would make a majority if we were in agreement with the one we call Lord. And things would be better immediately. The answer to this problem of being gullible (laughs) is the next verse. Because He didn't just call us to be a living sacrifice. The second verse says, Do not be conformed to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is a powerful, powerful passage of Scripture. So, not only do we need to become living sacrifice, just make ourselves available, totally submitted to God, but then we don't need to just run off ahead of God and just say, oh, I got it. I know what I'm supposed to do. Because I'm telling you, it's not within man to direct his own steps. Jeremiah 10.23 Without God, we'll foul it up every time. And the truth is, you don't want to get ahead of God. Because then you're in your own strength. And what he's calling us here to, it says, do not be conformed. What the word in Greek there, they're talking about like being poured into a mold. You're going to be poured into a mold in this life. Life will melt you down. <laughs> I think of those little army men we used to. Well, I used to stare at those. I'd stare at the bag of army men on the shelf there. And just wish I could come up with the 49 cents or whatever it was. Well, I used to play with those things. Had the little cowboys and Indians and the little army men. Those were my favorite things. Well, I had a great imagination. Be poured into the mold. But you're going to be poured into a mold one or the other. The world or the kingdom of God. Good thing is you get to choose the mold. Hmm? He says, don't be conformed to the mold of the world, 
but be transformed. That's that word metamorpho, which I noticed yesterday we had beautiful butterflies back in our garden in the backyard. Call Harper Butterfly Princess, a little five-year-old granddaughter, because those monarchs will come, they'll land on her, flutter all around her. She's just always have. It's just wonderful. So when I see them, I think of her. And yesterday I noticed they were out there and I was thinking about this. But this word, be transformed, is that, that word metamorpho that we, when we get metamorphosis. Same thing, it's like when a caterpillar becomes the butterfly, right? And that's what he's saying. To be, for us to be transformed by the renewing of our minds from something, something ugly and earthbound to something beautiful that spreads its wings and flies. Huh? And the way that we do that is through the Word of God. We renew our minds through this Word right here. And then, people say, well, I just don't know what God says. I can't hear God. Yeah, well, Jesus said, my sheep might hear my voice. No. He said, my sheep hear my voice. You can hear God, and not only can you hear Him, but you can know what His good and acceptable and perfect will. And I submit to you, those are levels and stages of the maturity of the Christian. But you can know God's will and His ways. And then, you're not only a great volunteer, but you're usable now. But it takes time. It takes time. You cannot microwave your relationship with the Lord. I mean, you can be you can be perfect in your relationship with the Lord all the time. Harper's five years old. Her little brothers too. They're not fully grown yet, but they're perfect. For their age and size, you know, for their development, right where they're supposed to be. Same way with us as Christians. God loves us and He raises us up, and if we allow Him, He'll teach us everything that we need to know. This Logos, this entire, what, 66 books here, this is. This is the perfect will of God right here. You can't handle this. You can't handle the logos. Not all of it. Not at once. It would destroy you. Yeah. Too big a weight to bear. Just like that. I can't think of that. Woman of faith. Anyway, this story about this little this young girl traveling on the train with her daddy, who was uh, the watchman, watch maker, watch uh, repair man, worked on watches, whatever you call it. Probably a name for that. And he had the little girl had traveled with him to go and. And uh, 
out of town wherever he went every year and bought all these parts and pieces and things for the watches, right? And he filled up this heavy case and he carried it and weighed it down and he had it up there. Anyway, he said, this child was learning about the Lord and said, knew what, uh, knew what Sam was and but didn't know anything about sex as she shouldn't have and uh, so I was reading in there and started seeing about sex sexual sin sex sin dad what's sex sin and dad looked at her as normal right before he would always answer any questions that she asked this time he didn't say anything for a while and then he stood up. He took down that heavy case from above him and he set it on the ground, called her by name and said, when we get off the train, will you carry this? He said, I can't, Daddy. It's too heavy for me. He said, that's right. Some things I can tell you. Other things are too heavy for you. And you just have to trust me until the time is right. That's an important message for our nation regarding that same thing in these days. And uh, I'm convinced that message is going to be getting out. When we were going through all this, Tavana and I, we were... We were really struggling, really bad. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, we had gone from rags to riches to rags <laughs> to riches to rags, back and forth. And so I had, uh, I had experienced this a lot, and we were going through a tough time. We'd come to the Lord, wanted to do everything His way. and His, But, I mean, it was just tough. Uh, we had gone from driving cars off the showroom floor to just trying to keep something running to get us around. Tavana would tell you about the time I followed her at night and the lights barely coming on and off and very low when they did in her car. It was already dark outside and sparks flying from under her car. <laughs> <laughs> And she can remember how we were, we were we were so close to making it on a weekly basis. Sometimes she remembers driving into the, the driveway, up the ramp of our driveway and into the driveway and the car dying right there after having driven all the way from Highland Village. And that, that old car. But things were, were tough. Lots of things were going on. I remember, you know, I had the open heart surgery in 2019. <clears throat> but that wasn't the first time. The first time was in 2008, right there in our bed at home. I could remember two nights in a row I woke Tavon up. I said, I think there are angels operating on my heart. I can feel it. God was awesome during those times and he would he would just show off he would do just wonderful little things and just really hid our our awareness of how bad things were <laughs> i think 
But while I was waiting, look at Proverbs chapter 3. I just felt like just sort of visiting with you a little bit today. Proverbs chapter 3. You know, I saw in the Bible, it told me, I think 65 times in the Bible, it says that if I trusted in the Lord, that I would not be made ashamed. And that made a great impact on me because that's all I'd ever known was shame. <laughs> Matter of fact, it's one of my mother's favorite sayings. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. So I was. <laughs> and I, I had lots of reasons to be. <laughs> but the Lord said, 65 times, something to the effect that I wouldn't be made ashamed if I would just put my trust in Him. And, and I did. And so I was participating. And look at Proverbs chapter 3. One of the things that we did, I'm just going to start reading here. My son, do not forget my teachings, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Now look at that. So I started realizing all the promises of God and Christ are yes and amen. And that everything good, whether I found it in the Old Testament or the New Testament, if it was good, it was for me. If it was bad, Jesus paid for it. So I could grab hold of these promises and make them my own. And that's what I was doing. And he said he was going to give me length of days and add years to my life and peace. Peace was something that I had never known in my entire life. Ever. And I had done all the things that I thought would make me happy and give me peace. And I, and uh, the only times I ever got it was when I was sort of uh, self-medicated. And that was very temporary. And then it brought on worse things, as we know, right? So I'd never known peace, but I wanted to. And I remember my mom and grandma, that's all they used to ever ask for on Christmas or their birthdays. If you, well, What do you want? It's just a little peace. And so I knew we all needed something that we could never find. And I knew I'd found a place to get it. And then in John 14, 27, one of my favorite scriptures on that fateful night, Jesus gave us a very personal gift of his own. That amazing peace that he walked in. Peace I give to you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. That was good news. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So there was my part. I just needed to trust in the Lord and not let my heart be troubled or afraid. And that perfect peace... That he walked in and enjoyed and was is so beautiful and even anointed just to read about. That was mine. Perpetually. And I was going to have it. I needed it. And I'm still pressing in on that. Because it's very fleeting sometimes. But you know it's an abiding fruit of the Spirit of God in us. And it's always with us. All the love, joy, and peace you'll ever need are already right here. And you're born again spirit. Yeah. So Romans 3. says, Then verse. I mean Proverbs 3. Verse 3. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you'll find favor and good success. In the sight of God and man. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? So. <clears throat> learning all these things. And. I, started, I learned about the law of sowing and reaping, which I've been teaching on some. 
because <coughs> Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, because I noticed everything he talked about was in parables, just using natural things to describe super, supernatural or spiritual truths. Amen? And he did that with everything. And he's talking about the law of sowing and reaping. He said, if you don't understand this one, you're not going to understand anything else I teach. So I needed to understand it. And so I prayed about it. And guess what? He was faithful to, to show me stuff. Isn't that something? He's always faithful. He's always good. And the law of sowing and reaping is going to be here as long as we're here. Amen. So, one night, I remember Tavana and I, we were struggling. But you know, one thing about Tavana, she was raised in a Pentecostal uh, environment. And her mother was a giver. She bought the driveway, the new, the new parking lot at their church. And she was a waitress. She, and she didn't have a lot, but she never did without. She was a tither. She gave. But nevertheless, Tavana and I were really struggling. And Tavana didn't have a problem with giving. And right when I got born again, I realized that this was part of the kingdom of God. And I saw the truth in it and the, the, uh, the deed for it. Because this, I saw this is how God gets things to me. I need to sow a seed. So we were listening to this, uh, this evangelist on, uh, on TV. We, were, we watched uh, TBN a lot. Uh, but, and he was saying to just sow a $58 seed, I think it was. Yeah. $58 seed. And uh, I think it was Mike Murdoch, matter of fact. <laughs> Y'all remember that guy? Anyway, hey, uh, I, Tavon and I were watching together. And I looked at her, and, and uh, I think that's pretty close to all we had in the checking account. But I said, I really think, I think we ought to sow that seed. She goes, okay. She's got that childlike faith. And we sent off that check and we were believed for a hundredfold return. We prayed, prayed a prayer of agreement. We sowed that seed with expectancy and then we just sort of forgot about it, I think. But we were just doing everything we knew to please God and to, for, to, to be a part of the kingdom of God and we were excited about it. Some days went by, maybe a week or ten days, and we got a check in the mail, something we had no idea why or how it came. It was that $58 seed had given us a hundredfold return. It was $5,803.05. And we're like, a hundredfold return. I said, yeah, a hundredfold return. I said, but God sent me a message with it too. Because he had already started doing that with me, with numbers. You all know how I am with numbers. So, I knew that was a scripture. The three... Oh, 05 and so I, I was in Proverbs so I came to this Proverbs chapter 3 and I'm, we're at the 5th verse and it says trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge or submit to him and he will make straight your paths and I read that and, and I just I just cried and I just felt so blessed and Tavon and I were happy and we paid a bill or two. Amen. <laughs> in all your ways, acknowledge Him and He makes straight ways your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. 
You see that? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Moses. Do not be wise in your own eyes. William. Buddy. Messiah. <laughs> Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. You know, my mother had bone cancer and she suffered with it for many years. And I never forget, I knew the scriptures about bones and things like that. And, one, and she'd go in the hospital and she'd have to get... We, we call it a refill. She'd have to get blood. Her numbers get low and, you know, this went on forever. And Tavana would always sit with her and take care of her and clean her up. I mean, you know, it was, we went through a lot of years of things. My mother, in the end, you know, because Big Daddy was her hero and he was a pastor and a great man of God, my great-grandfather. But she had gotten away from the Lord for many years, but the Lord sent her a woman, a pastor's wife, to take care of her, this sort of 24-hour care, you know, uh, for the last year or so of her life. And it was it was really beautiful because I watched this woman help Mama, you know, as God prepared to take her home. And I've seen it hundreds of times. I've seen it hundreds of times. Prayers going up and people's hearts being prepared and and just how the Lord just receives His children home, you know. And when they go, you know, it's it's, just, it's wonderful. They just they, you know, if you I see you again, you know. Last time you saw him, he said, "I'll see you again." It, you you meant it. You will. Because they needed to exchange this part of us that has not been renewed <laughs> until they get home. <laughs> this one wore out, you know? And so they just went on ahead of us. And this is going to be a wonderful time when we see them again. But I remember praying over my mom. This, this woman, she was a pastor's wife, but I don't know what sort of doctrine. You know, I knew she loved the Lord, but I didn't know how much light she, she was walking in, you know, as far as... Uh, power and victory and sort of thing. But I remember Mama was really sinking one night. And wasn't too often I could get my stepdad away from us long enough for me to <laughs> pray properly. But this Mama was not doing too good and they were saying things that you don't want to hear, don't accept and uh, about the morning, you know. And her not being there. But I remember we were alone in that room and Mama was unconscious. But I, and that woman was there, that pastor's wife, and she was sitting over in the corner. And I was aware, finally, here's chance, a godly woman here and all the doctors and nurses and unbelievers are gone. <laughs> and I just, I laid on Mama and I just put my hands on her and I began to pray and I began to pray in the Spirit. And I began to call her healed and whole in the name of Jesus. And I never forget that woman just got all the power of God. Just she was like Jesus, Jesus, you know. And just and I knew that <clears throat> I knew 
something wonderful had happened, and I was just praying what I'd know learned about from God. And anyway, the next morning, the, the the testimonies from my mother, from from Bill, my stepfather, it's a miracle! It's a miracle! <laughs> she was like her old self again. But you see, she she didn't hold on to these things for long. You see, you can pray, you know, but not everybody's going to get it. And, you know, one of the biggest heartaches in a lot of uh, even healing ministries, uh, ministers, you know, when they pray, you see a lot of people healed. And a lot of people, a lot of those folks lose that healing over time. And I just, I'm convinced it's just because of, you know, just some wrong doctrine and a wrong understanding. God doesn't change his mind about us. He, he loves us. His love is unconditional. You know, I tell people, I use the example, I'm a, I'm a great uh, grace and faith believer. I believe that every sickness, every disease is not of God. As a matter of fact, I know it in my heart. And, then, you know, if you doubt it, it's okay. God will show you one day and we'll, we'll know. We'll be together anyway. But even this open heart surgery that I had, which was a huge blessing, best doctor probably in the world, the head of the DeBakey Heart Center himself personally did it. I wouldn't even got to see him for six months and I was in surgery with him two weeks. But anyway, it was a wonderful thing. And I'm so thankful to God that he was made that happen. But you know, that wasn't his best for me. It was very good when I needed it. Ooh, I look back and dread, but man, thank God. But his best was just for me to be supernaturally healed. And I believed for that till I was about dead. But <laughs> didn't work out that way. And God doesn't love me any less. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> but why not walk in all the power and victory we can and help others to do the same? Hmm? Because I, I've seen hundreds and hundreds of healing. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen people that couldn't walk, jump up and run all over the place. It used to shock me as much as it did them. God said, stop that. That's unbelief. <laughs> I know people that have done and seen way more wonderful things than, than I have yet, but I will. I had prophecies that I believe spoken over me that I've a lot of them that are yet to yet to come. And I'm believing, standing strong, believing for all that. A guy came, called me yesterday. Or he reached out to me by text. And he's like, preach. I, you know, I've got, he, he's got a, a, he's newly married a year ago or whatever. And now they got a baby on the way and. They're trying to figure out, you know, how to do everything, how to get her to be able to stay home and he run his business and not drown. And he's trying to learn how to give up all his toys and all that. You know what I mean? They're just trying to figure it all out and do it right. Got any words of wisdom? Preach. <laughs> Some of these young guys call me preach. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Send him the same passage of Scripture. Same. Proverbs 3. And you know, it spoke to his heart, man. He responded immediately with praise and gratitude and, and thankfulness. You know, and just, it, it was exactly right. It's always right. I've never told anybody no. I don't have any. No. <laughs> 
We have the words of life. Do you know that? Proverbs 10, verse 22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. This is what I was looking for. Not, but I was over the, I knew that rich in God's eyes didn't necessarily mean what I always thought it had meant. And I had been there and it didn't fulfill me. It didn't give me what I thought I was going to get when I got there. So that's what you'll find. Most people that win the lottery, they're broke within a a few years. I don't know what the statistics are, but I heard that recently. And I remember my uncle won the lottery and he was... He died early, 59 years old. But, you know, it was great because I didn't know the Lord yet. I thought it was great because, you know, we'd go and hang out. I'm the only one who told him I didn't want anything from him except time with him. So we stayed drunk together and traveled on his motorhome and swam in his pool and all that stuff. And I thought that was great, but it wasn't. He died from it, 59 years old. And he was almost broke when he got there. That was only about four or five years after he'd won it. But that's the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. And he, and he has no sorrow with it. That was the attractive part. I want whatever you call rich, Lord. And see, in God, you have everything that's His is yours. Everything that's His is yours. We have everything. We have the entire wealth of God. And He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Amen. And He also has that peace, and love, and joy, the things that we really want when we think that riches are going to provide that, you see. So that sounded better. And I remember we had one of the businesses that we had. (laughs) I look at Sam and laugh. I've always loved Sam. He knew me when I was a knucklehead. But one of the businesses I had was this little car lot. It didn't amount to much. Just another thing that I did, you know. But we had that finance license and everything, and we'd so almost everything we sold was on financed, you know. But we, I, I wasn't smart enough to put a tracker on anything, and so no one ever paid for a car. <laughs> and when we finally <clears throat> just threw in that, oh, I think it was a hurricane or something. Ike, I think, destroyed the little building. <laughs> we just said, hey, don't reopen it; just forget it. But man, we had a stack of car titles <laughs> that nobody ever paid for, and they owed us a lot of money. And uh, I remember I had a dream. And I'm going to finish up here, but I had a dream one night, and there was a, a park there, it's where we still live, down by the. It's got a historical marker there where Sam Houston and his army park uh, camped the night. Uh, or just days before they went over to San Jacinto and beat Santa Ana. But they camped at that little farm there on the creek. And that's at the edge of our neighborhood, a beautiful park. And my dog Brutus and I, my bull mastiff we had for nine years, we used to walk down there and we loved that place. And there's big, beautiful pine trees and this beautiful setting. Anyway, I had a dream one night. And uh, and I'm just, I'm there. I'm just there, like right to where we normally would start our at the edge of the park there. And these beautiful pine trees, the whole forest, I look up and it's a beautiful day. There's two men sitting on a bench right there. Turned out to be angels. And uh, 
I look up at these trees, and they're all just swaying and praising God. I've been reading about how we uh, men are trees in the Bible. They're talking about people, right? And they're just praising God. they got their arms lifted up to heaven, and they're just swaying and praising God like this. But up on the top of the, above the branches, they had cars. All these cars were all on the top of these, above these trees. They were just offering them up to God. And right away, I knew what he was, I knew what he was saying. Well, I didn't want to believe it. I looked at these two men, these two angels, and I said, is that God? And one of them, he stopped, they stopped talking, he looked at me and he goes, yes. And he went back to talking. <laughs> And so I knew right away. I went and I told my wife. I said, yo, I had a dream. And the Lord told me, we need to just give away all those cars. Just give them to the people. And it was Christmas was coming. And she goes, okay. Thank God. Because, you know, that's important. <laughs> but he, he, he has always done that for us. You know. And we've been very blessed in that regard. But she goes, okay. And I, I made this, I found some some fancy paper. And uh, and uh, we I wrote this letter telling the whoever was the owner of the vehicle uh, about what happened to us. How we had come to, the Lord had saved us and, and this wonderful experience that we had in coming to the Lord and and we just were blessed to know the Lord and, and, uh, and we had come to know love and forgiveness and, and all these wonderful things and we wanted to just gift this vehicle to them. And I don't remember how many it was, but we, we took all those car titles and signed everything off. And, and see, all these addresses we had, we'd go look for these cars to these addresses. Nobody was ever there. We never saw the cars. <laughs> but when we sent these car titles out, none of them came back. <laughs> Gave all those cars away that Christmas. And you know, we never, we never regretted it once. And, and so, what do we do? Expect for a, a bow-wrapped car to be in the driveway the next day? No. No, we just, we just did what we thought God had told us to do. And then we went on about our struggle. About our day-to-day. And I was just, we were just getting closer and closer to the Lord. And then... Told me go out, clean out the garage. You know where I was expecting a car for Tavana, so I cleaned out her side, made a place for the car. Anyway, long story short, it wasn't very long before we were driving brand new cars again, and uh, we, you know, I mean we we don't we don't like drive a go buy a new one every month or every year. We just have new cars. <laughs> we buy them new and we get a new one when we want to. But I believe that God showed me the way. We broke that, the back of the devil right there. That right, I don't think we'll ever drive beaters again. You know, And I, I think that that harvest is just there for us. I believe we walk in the blessing of God. Now, we don't have to live miracle to miracle, which is not God's best. It seems great. It's a great thing when you need a miracle. <laughs> Problem with them needing a miracle is it requires a crisis. And God would rather us live in the blessing of God. 
where those blessings will track us down. Amen. Take us over. That's what's ours in Christ. Amen. You don't get anything out of this today? Praise God. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love and grace and mercy. We thank you that you take these seeds, these truths of your word, and just bury them in the hearts of the soil of their hearts and just cause them to take root and bear fruit in their lives. Lord, let us all walk in the the blessing of peace and joy and abundance that you have for us. And let us walk in your plan, in your timing. And let us just make our lives a living sacrifice unto you and be discipled in your truth so that we can discern what is your good and acceptable and perfect will for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.